thanks to our sponsor, ShareGate. For those of us familiar with ShareGate, we know that they've always been all about SharePoint and Office 365 migration. But now that we've moved to the cloud, like me, you're probably thinking about how to scale your Office 365 to a full self-service environment without worrying about the thousands of groups and teams popping up out of nowhere, AKA Sprawl. That's where the folks at ShareGate developed ShareGate Apricot. It's a solution that helps us automate our Office 365 group governance by allowing us to collaborate with users to keep everyone accountable for the things that they create. Their super simple to use in-app experience lets us lighten our load by delegating group management responsibilities to users that we trust, AKA no more sprawl. Want to get your hands on ShareGate Apricot? Try it for free for 30 days at sharegate.com slash cloud show. This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 347, where today, CJ and I are gonna talk about Microsoft backtracking on force-feeding Bing and more cloud news. Recorded live Thursday, February the 13th, 2020. This episode is brought to you by Raygun. Raygun provides full stack, error, crash, and performance monitoring for tech teams. Whether you're a software engineer looking to diagnose and resolve issues with greater speed and accuracy, a product manager drowning in bug reports, or you're just concerned you're losing customers due to poor quality online experiences, Raygun can provide you with the answers. Get full stack error and performance monitoring in one place. The next time that you're struggling to replicate errors and performance issues in your code base, think Raygun. Head over to raygun.com and get up and running within minutes and dramatically improve the online experience of your users. Back to the show. Good day, CJ. How's it going? I am well. How are you doing? Doing good. I know the title of our show or the intro was a little bit of a... Is it called clickbait if it's audio or is it like listen bait? <laughs> I don't know. It's baity. <laughs> it's baity. Yeah, it's a little, it was a little game. It's a little game. How are you doing, man? What are you even up to? I am pretty good, actually. Yeah. We are heading away as a family next week to Whistler for, for some skiing. So midwinter break. I'm looking forward to that and um, making use of the terrible weather. <laughs> Is this you telling me on the show that you're not going to be here next week and I got to record by myself? <laughs> it's possible. I'm not 100% sure yet. I might take my mobile kit and be able to do it remotely. Okay. So, all right. I was joking with you. I can handle it. It's okay. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure yet, but uh, yeah, All right. we'll work that out. I have an idea for a solo show. I was going to do it today, but we got a bunch of news we can do. So um, that's fine. You enjoy your time away. There's a time when I will call of you and I will ask a favorite as well. Oh, I quite like the idea of recording from Whistler with the snow. Okay, you can do that. But we'll see. I have to figure out if I've got an internet connection. Anywho, how about you? You've been running. I mean, I've had a, and I mean this in a very positive way, and I don't mean like sad, crying and all that kind of stuff. It's been a very emotional last couple, like the last week since we last recorded. Do tell. Well, so last week when we, it's all about the race. So last time we recorded, I told you, or in the last couple episodes, I told you I was doing a half marathon. It's a benefit for breast cancer, for a foundation that is focused on breast cancer, both care for people who are affected by it and research to finding a cure. And it's a fantastic organization. It's located here. Uh, it's called the, Do the Donna Foundation. And it's uh, located here where I live. And um, it was the last big race of the season here in Florida, or at least where I am. It's the last big half marathon that I was going to do. And I was raising money for it. Uh, once I got to certain levels, I did. I told people I would wear different things to try and make a fool of myself to incite them to, to donate more money. First 
I had set the goal $1,000, get me to 500, I put on a pink tutu I'm running, get me to 1,000, I put on a pink bra. I did both of those, but the on fundraising the just kept going. As well. On, on the, the outside, outside, yes, on yes. the outside. Not like yes. the normal, I was able the to inside do, one. Yeah, different. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I'll get back to that in a second, but I was able to do that, have no chafing, which I was very happy with. Congratulations. <laughs> but the fundraising kept going and blew over 2,000 bucks. So it was, it was really cool, but it was, this race itself was really tough. I had a, a tech issue during at the very beginning of the race that affected me that I didn't realize how it affected me or what it had done until well after the race. Like well after I had already like eaten a huge lunch, gotten a shower and was getting ready to get in bed and I realized what happened. I was like, huh. or I think I figured out what happened. I'm, I have a pretty good guess on what happened. And it really pisses me off. But what I'm I guess I'm most proud of the fact that I was able to work through this and still hit my goal. So mm. it's a bit of a short story. I know you know a bit of this already, but I do want to share it because I know some people who are the listeners were a couple people asked about it on Twitter. So if you don't mind, just give me a minute. Yeah, yeah go for it. So when I started the race, I mean everyone's got their own pace. So I mean, so it's not there are people that are a lot faster than me. There are people that are slower than me, but I'm not by any means a speedy guy. My goal has been what for this race was to stay below a two hour half marathon. And that is running an average pace of no faster than nine minutes, nine seconds per mile. Hold on a second. Doesn't that Kenyan dude, Khashoggi, do it in like two hours, the whole marathon? Yes. That's insane. A couple of years ago, my goal was to finish the half marathon before the winners actually came up on me <laughs> of, the, of the full marathon. Because <laughs> I got really sick of running a half marathon, struggling at the very end, and I hear the cops coming up behind me, and it's they're clearing a path so that the, yeah, yeah. the Africans that are coming up are, <laughs> are going to blow by me. Wow. My goal is to standard two hours, and I'm not one to, like, I don't focus on my pace really, really closely during a race. I don't focus on... But I do, you know, it's a bit of a challenge for me, like a personal challenge I like to do. And uh, I wanted to stand her two hours. And I really wanted to try and go for a PR if I felt good and if the weather was good. And you never know what that's going to be until the first few miles into the race. Just like, do you have it or do you not have it? So I started the race. And when I started it, my watch kept telling me that I was running like a 9.15, 9.20 pace. Mm. I was like, oh, this ain't going to happen in the first mile. I mean, I, feel gr- I felt great. And I was like, this ain't going to happen. This is not good. I started pushing myself and I was still noticing, it was still saying, I was like maybe 9.12, 9.13. I was like, damn, okay, I thought I felt great, but th- I'm having to push hard just to get, just to like not even break even. Mm. Like, all right, so whatever. So at about the four mile mark, it was warmer than I thought. So I had to start stripping stuff off. So, I mean, I had like, I had shorts and a, t- and a t-shirt on, but I had to like take off my arm sleeves that... I had, which by the way, a bra makes, I know the ladies that are listening to this are probably going to roll their eyes, but first time I wore a bra and um, a bra makes a great place for storage of lightweight items. (laughs) 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 So I was, I like pulled the arm sleeves off and I rolled them up and I stuffed them in the bra and I'm like, this is great. They're not like in my pockets or anything. This is great for you putting them up here. (laughs) These ladies are like laughing at me from the sides of the race. (laughs) Uh, classic. When I got, to, but I, and I kept watching every mile you go by, there's a, there's a clock that's running a big banner. that shows you're at mile two, mile three, mile four. And it was showing me on a pretty good pace. And I'm like, that's the official race clock. And I'm like, well, that must, it shows me I'm doing good, but my watch is saying I'm not. So at about mile seven, I started to kind of, I was like, all right, I've got to, I've got to back off a bit because I, I looked at my heart rate and it was spiking. And if it gets too high, some pe- things happen to different people. For me, it just means I've like, my stomach is about to go. So I was like, all right, I need to I need to back off a bit. And I back off, and the one hour and 50-minute pacer comes up on me for the half marathon. And I'm sitting there going, 
wait a minute, I should never have seen this guy the entire race because my best time is an hour and 54 minutes. I'm like, there's no way I should have seen this guy. There's no way I'm shaving off four minutes on this race. How far into the thing is this? But but when you see him? This is halfway in. This is seven miles in. Gotcha. So I start backing off and I, I really try to slow down because I'm like, oh, this is why I'm having trouble because something was up in my watch, but I think I was pushing too hard at the beginning of the race and I just went out too fast. Because, I mean, if I'm doing, 100, if I'm doing a minute 55, that's like a low eight-minute, high seven-minute pace. My best time on a mile is a 7.07. Anyway, this is, it was ridiculous. I was able to slow myself down enough to where the 155 guy came up on me, and I was like, all right, as long as I finish and I don't see the two-hour guy, then I'm staying under my goal. Well, I'll, the last three miles were really tough, but it really helped, honestly, it really helped wearing a bra. Because as I ran by, the crowds were like cheering, like, look at this guy. And they're like funny and making all this stuff. And they're, you know, joking about and stuff. Cheering you on. Yeah, it's cheering me on. So that, that actually helped. Afterwards, I realized that when I started my watch, somehow my watch decided to put me on a treadmill run. So indoors, no GPS. And so my time or my pace that it was getting was deduced based on my, based on the impact on the pavement. Mm. And it just screwed up. So I think that the, I was screwed up and it put it, it was telling me to push a lot harder than I really wanted to go. Yeah. I probably was on a pretty good pace at the beginning, but I still finished under two hours, an hour and 57 minutes. So I was happy about that. But yeah, I do have one funny story though about it. You give me another 30 seconds. You've heard this story, but my listeners don't think it's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty funny. So dude comes up to me at mile 10, catches up to me mile 10 when I'm struggling a bit. And he's like, dude, I saw you at the quarter mile into the race and I've been following you and chasing you the entire time. He said, it has taken me so much willpower to not re... He said, you realize your bra is only on by like one snap, one hook, not... It's got two hooks, but only one hook. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, because I didn't know if this was going to work or not. I was going to have to unhook it in the middle of the race. And uh, I was like, these things are hard as hell to take off. <laughs> so I was like, I'm mad props <laughs> to the ladies out there. And uh, he goes... He's like, oh my God, I've wanted to pop that thing just like we did in high school. I've wanted to pop that thing for, for the last like hour and a half. <laughs> And I'm like, thank you for not doing that. He's like, yeah, whatever. So after the race, we're in the runner's village and there's like free beer for the runners and stuff. So I go in, I'm drinking a beer and I'm walking by and I hear this guy, he's standing around some people and I hear this guy go, that guy. And I look over and it's the dude that came up on me and said that. Ah, uh, classic. And he was telling his friends the story and I walk over to him and I'm like, okay, give it a shot, pop it. And he's like, you sure? And I'm like, I can't get this damn thing off. Help me, pop it, get it off. He pops it, the thing comes loose and he's like, I still got it. I still got it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, classic. <laughs> so hey, well, it was great, though. Was congratulations! What a what an epic effort, even with the technical hiccups, and um, you made it in the end, and also raised over two grand. It was fun. It was fun. So thanks for indulging me. No sweat. This episode is sponsored by Nintex. If you could score an extra hour or two back in your day, wouldn't you take it? Because our friends at Nintex want to give you a gift, the gift of time. Seriously, if you haven't checked out what Nintex has to offer lately, you should. The platform built on Azure has evolved a lot. In just the past few months, the Nintex team has added new process mapping capabilities and most recently a new eSign capability called Nintex Sign, powered by Adobe Sign. Nintex also continues to revolutionize products that you know and trust, including Nintex Workflow and Forms. With the power of Nintex, it is faster and easier for you to configure, not code, giving you valuable time back every day to spend it how you want. Test drive the Nintex Process Cloud at Nintex.com. This podcast is brought to you by AvPoint. 
A 99.9% SLA means you're protected from power outages, bad patches, natural disasters, and maybe even a dinosaur attack. But does it protect you from yourself though? Avpoint Backup for SharePoint Online provides full fidelity backup and recovery from individual items to entire sites. Avpoint can run backups up to four times a day to ensure your data is secure. Recover anytime you want without having to pick up the phone and schedule restore windows. Learn why Avpoint is the Microsoft Cloud expert at www.avpoint.com. And we're back. Okay, CJ, today we have a handful of news items we want to run through. I know you have a pick, I have a pick, and we really want to keep this show to a set time. We got about 30 minutes while we want to get through our news. So for those of you who are listening to the episode, we're going to get through this in the next 30 minutes because, well, we have to. Would you like to start us off? Sure, sure. You know, a few episodes ago, we talked about Microsoft winning the big Jedi contract and the $10 billion contract or whatever it was. Turns, and I think I remember saying at the time, I don't think this is the last we're going to hear of it. Well, Mm -hmm. drum roll please, that wasn't the last we're going to hear of it. (laughs) Amazon, this is a title, an article from CNBC titled, Amazon wants to question Trump after losing $10 billion Pentagon cloud contract. They would like to depose. Amazon's cloud computing arm wants to depose President Donald Trump, Defense Secretary Mark Esper, and former Defense Secretary James Mattis over a $10 million Pentagon contract awarded to Microsoft, according to court documents unsealed on Monday. So, they think, I'm guessing, they're alleging that the political powers that be tipped the scale because Trump doesn't like Bezos. Mm. I think that's their premise. It sure seems like it. I mean, well, it might be a couple billion dollars might influence as well, but yeah. But yes, agreed. Well, yeah, I'm sure it, I'm sure that's part of it too, for sure of it. But uh but yeah, it's um it's kind of interesting. It really goes to show you really don't want to own a newspaper and be a tech company. <laughs> or or politicians <laughs> won't like you. <laughs> Some politicians, yeah, anyway. Yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, Trump yep. and Bezos have had a bit of a spat, right, because of the Washington Post, and, you know, they've been, and Trump's like, we should charge you lots more for using USPS, and Amazon like, cool, well, we're not going to, we're going to fly our own planes and build our own delivery network and blah, 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 and fighting. And mm-hmm. Anywho, so Amazon are, uh, yeah, I guess, appealing the decision, taking it to court, something like that. We will stay tuned for what happens. Absolutely. Earlier this week, I saw uh, an art. I was reading an article. It was talking about Slack and saying how since they did their IPO, their stock is down forty five percent. I looked at it and was like, I, you know, I don't, I don't see Slack really going anywhere. So, I mean, if stock's down forty five percent, it seems like a pretty good buying opportunity. And so, I was about to buy some stock. I didn't, and I wish I did because an article came out in TechCrunch, and guess what? IBM did. IBM scored its biggest customer ever as it moved all of its 350,000 employees. Or Slack scored its biggest customer, yeah. What did I say, IBM? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. (laughs) IBM's got bigger customers. IBM moved all of their employees, all 350,000 of them, to Slack this past week. What a great win for for Slack. Yeah, their market really... their company, they, or they their stock really liked it, or their shareholders really liked it, because the stock went up 15% uh, right after that. In fact, it was so much activity on Slack when that happened, they actually had to halt the stock at one point because of the news that was coming out. So people started to... Yeah, during the, during the trading day, they get a bit fidgety about stuff like that when it swings the stock in large quantities. Yeah. You know when large companies say that they're moving to like... Open Office or uh, Google or 
Linux on the desktop or something. <laughs> You're like, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. We'll see you in another couple of months when it all falls to bits, and you come back to you come back groveling back to Uncle Bill. I wonder if that'll be the sim- similar case in this. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah, I mean, they obviously wouldn't have picked Slack if they didn't feel they could meet their but their needs. And I, but in fairness, also Slack may have been prepared to agree to anything to get a deal like this. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I wonder what pricing they got for it. Because, um, you know, Slack's not cheap for normal plebs. It's not. I mean, they do charge a decent amount, especially if you want to have that many people and if you want to keep the history and stuff, so... Okay, so moving right along. If you are a GitHub user, yesterday, uh, Nat Friedman tweeted, and I I picked up this blog that he tweeted, supercharge your command line experience. GitHub CLI is now in beta. So you know, yeah, the GitHub desktop application that people love and enjoy and all that. Now there is a CLI for it, so you can nerd out with the best of us in your terminal of choice with GitHub CLI, and it's it's GH, so you just go, like, GitHub issue list, blah, blah, blah. It's quite cool. I really like it because it... You don't have to... uh, Have you tried it yet? No, I just saw it last night and and bookmarked it. Uh, I'm going to give it a shot today. Yeah, it's really cool. So it's... You... If you use it... Well, you... So you use it from a cloned repo on your machine... So you don't have to tell it what repo you want to talk, you want to connect to. It actually uses the repo that you're currently in. Mm. And I'm sitting there trying to figure out how do I do, how do I authenticate with it. And the first command I ran, it didn't do anything. It's like yeah, I don't know what I have no context. And so I went in, I changed directory to go into a folder that had that I had cloned down. And I did, I think it's gh issues list, mm-hmm. and it immediately said, "Okay, hit enter, and we'll launch a browser for you to authenticate." And so it launched the browser, showed me GitHub, said, "This app wants your permissions." I said, "Go ahead and do it." And it goes, "Okay, go ahead and close it." It went right back to the terminal window on my console, and it logged me right in, and I was able to start seeing a list of all the issues. And the the cool, the thing I like about it more than using the browser is that it's. To me, it's much faster, but it also, if you like data density and you want to see everything really compressed, it's awesome because mm. you just have one line of the issue and with the issue number, and then it shows you the tags immediately following it. And then if you want to view that issue, it's just GH issues view and then the number of the issue, and it pops it up in the browser. That's nice. Yeah, I'm definitely going to play around with this. This would be pretty sweet. Also, the um, I don't know about you, that auth sounds great because... I don't know. It's one of those computer science problems nobody manages to figure out, right? Is like how to authenticate with GitHub. <laughs> there's always yeah. like there's multiple schemes and like can't get the SSH agent thing working and like things aren't going right. And the the only app that consistently does it is GitHub Desktop. But you try to use any other app to authenticate with GitHub, and it is an absolute crapshoot. It really is. I'm glad they've uh, they've nailed the experience. I have an update for everyone. On behalf of Microsoft, and in honor of the title of this episode, Microsoft has backtracked into force-feeding Bing on us when you update or install Office 365 Pro Plus. There's a link in uh, tech community where Microsoft has said, on January the 22nd, we announced the, in advance that the Bing Microsoft Search and Bing browser extension would be made available through Office 365 Pro Plus on Windows devices starting at the end of February. That is not exactly how they pitched it. It was not made available. It was, we will install it for you into all of your browsers, even the ones that we don't own. Yeah, even if you don't want it. Yeah, and then it says, since then, we've heard from... I want now, This is the part I want to be very specific about. Quote, since then, we've heard from many customers who are excited 
about the value Microsoft Search provides through Bing and the simplicity of deploying that value through Office 365 Pro Plus. And then dot, dot, dot. But we've also heard concerns in the way we were playing to roll this value out. Most importantly, we heard from customers don't want Office 365 Pro Plus to change search defaults without an opt-in, and they need a way to govern the changes. Let me sum it up by a guy named Michael Smith, who is as labeled in the comments as an occasional contributor. His response was, quote, where, who? I have not seen a not seen one single positive comment about this change anywhere. Not on Twitter. Not on, not as comments on your own blog posts. Not in magazines, blogs. Not in not on Reddit. Not in other for, forums. Show us one. This was just stupid and enough to erase a lot of goodwill you've been earning. I can't disagree any more than that. The fact that they've come out and they had to they had to backtrack on this. The fact that this made it past a meeting where someone says, you know, what if we do this? And yeah. someone didn't just pull out a gun and shoot that idea right between the eyes. Not yep. the person, but no, just, the idea. that's just... Yeah. yeah, that never should have got past the, I don't know if this is a good idea, but stage, right? Mm-hmm. Good grief. Well, we kind of, we suspected this this backtracking would come, but seriously, guys, like, what the hell were you thinking? It is frustrating as hell. But it is it's also, to me, is surprising that this has been going on for, that was January the 22nd, and it's today is February the 13th. So we're talking... Almost three full weeks that this hit. I think, what is it? Is that actually three full weeks? So that would have been one, two. Yeah, we're actually three weeks in one day. Or is it four weeks? One, Well, that took two, a while, didn't it? Three, four weeks in one day. So it took a month and a day for them to backtrack on this. So that's, I'm surprised it took that long. But I guess that's good news from their bad news. So a great way to do good news is to announce something really bad and then backtrack on it. And then it's considered yeah. good news. <laughs> I do want to give a nice uh, hat tip, though, to Microsoft Teams, although it has been a, why is this taking so long? But Microsoft Teams... Please tell me, Mark, Mark all is red. Red. No, sorry, don't get that. Shame. But Adaptive Cards 1.2 is now GA in all the Microsoft Teams clients, which, that's good, there's a bunch of new stuff in it, or there's a bunch of nice features that have been added to it. It's been kind of annoying as, a, as somebody who's been doing some Teams dev that there's a lot of... We've been stuck with the 1.0 version of adaptive cards. The fact now that we can use 1.2 is very nice. And across all clients. It's a little disappointing that when they link to it and said, click here for our announcement on 1.2, and you click on it, and it takes you back from a post to a post in April 2019. So it's kind of like, why did it take 10 months to get this done? But okay, whatever, it's done. Thank you. Mm, curious. Oh, it's good that it's... Uh... It's good that it's across all the clients as well. I remember doing some Teams development a while back, and it was a real mess trying to figure out how to make something look nice across all the different clients. Like Android, iOS would act differently and have different levels of support for different stuff. Windows versus the browser. like You sort of had to do the lowest common denominator of all of them to make it work well across all the channels, all the uh, device types and things. So, yeah. Uh, hopefully it is consistent. The more I play with adaptive cards, the more I like it. As a dev, being able to express how I want my UI and let the client render it out, I absolutely love that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, moving right along. Cisco puts millions of workplace devices at risk. There have been five new vulnerabilities in the in a protocol that Cisco used with these um, network enterprise devices to make it possible for hackers to take over your desk phones, routers, and more. 
I don't know the details of all of the floors themselves. I have to go dig into that a little bit more. But basically, there'll be a bunch of IT pros running around patching phones today, I think. I'm sure the notice has gone out. This came out on the 5th of February, so a little while ago now. But um, it's interesting, like, they... They sort of talk about what an impact this could have and how yet one phone gets some sort of hole in it or something and they grab you and all that stuff is on your corporate network usually, right? And it's... Oh, geez, what the hell? Sorry about that. That was my paper shredder. (laughs) Randomly. Do you have a Cisco phone that just turned on your paper shredder? Speaking of crazy (laughs) IoT devices, (laughs) my paper shredder wanted to... Wanted to start working all of a sudden. That's really weird. <laughs> the devices are listening to us, AC. Hey Siri, turn on the paper shredder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you take over one phone in the organization or something, and boom, you're on the network and away you go. Because they're all IP based. A lot of them are plugged all into the regular Ethernet network and away you go, right? And this is getting, once you've got a phone, then you've got a switch, then you've got the whole thing. You might as well all your base belong to us kind of thing, right? <laughs> it's pretty, pretty crazy. But, you know, this reminds me of a conversation we were having on a private messaging chat with some friends of ours about IoT devices on your network, right? And we were talking about segmenting our own private home networks and sort of VLANing, creating a VLAN for all of our kind of untrusted, so to speak, IoT devices. Like you get these cameras and they've got chips from all sorts of places and you're really not sure if there's backdoors baked into them or vulnerabilities and whatnot. And so being able to segment them on a VLAN might be the way to go. And they talk about doing that, obviously, in the enterprise. It's kind of a bigger deal. But yeah. uh, it just made me think, yeah, yeah, maybe I should get around to doing that with my Unify gear and really creating a an IoT VLAN for some of the sort of more dodgy, not dodgy devices, that's a bad way to put it, but non-core devices on my network. Devices that don't have my data on them or don't have access to my data. That's really that's really all you... Or that shouldn't have would. access to your data. Right, yes. I mean, that's like my Amazon hockey puck thing that has a name that starts with an A, has an X in it that I'm not going to say because it'll wake up and it's sitting on my desk right here. <laughs> or my cameras or... The device, like I like the the sensors that I have for like motion sensing and stuff like that. That I want those things to have a path to the internet, mm. but I don't want those guys to be able to talk to anything else on my network. Yeah, like my laptop or my NAS or something like that, where my data is. Yeah, good call. Mm. Actually, you know how you just mentioned the A word? Then mm-hmm. I can say it because I don't have one in this room. The Alexa. It reminds me of a funny story about Xbox. You know how Xbox had Connect mm-hmm. and it would listen to your voice and do commands and things like that. Well, there was this funny exploit or hack or whatever you want to call it, Mm. where when you were playing somebody in a game and you could tell that the other person wasn't using headphones, you could just yell out, Xbox, turn off! And then (laughs) it would shut down the other person's Xbox (laughs) (laughs) mid-game and boot them out. That was brilliant. That's awesome. That is awesome. (laughs) I thought that was absolutely hilarious. I want to kind of hack. You can't call it a social hack. It's like what, what the, oh well, social engineering. Or... I don't know. Yeah, it's like, t- yeah, yeah. It's not exactly a hack, but it's kind of a exploit, I suppose. Take advantage of something that's available. Screwing with you, hack. How's that? Yeah, messing you out right <laughs> in your game. Imagine that. Somebody somebody gets you in the game and then you just <laughs> you just eject them. Yeah. You pull the pin on a grenade, you're about to throw it, and it's like, Xbox, shut off. And he's like, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's, uh, anyway, that's long story short. Cool. Anything else for us? Yeah, I got one more. I was going to mention this one last time we talked, but uh, I held off on it because we were running out of time. This guy named Thomas Bidou. Bidou? I, that. I probably 
Bado, yeah. He's talking about like 20 about Kickstarter and it's this thread on Twitter that it's it's 2019 was the best year ever for Kickstarter and no one's even mentioning it. More money was raised than in 2015, which was the previous record. And if you kind of scroll through, he's got a bunch of charts talking about things and it's talking about different aspects of of uh, of Kickstarter and and their business. It just shows how good of a year that they recently had. Even talks about how there was back in 2017 he showed how there's an increase in submitted projects with no corresponding increase in funded projects that he has labeled the potato salad effect. So mm. we're just putting more and more stuff in there, but nothing, there's, it doesn't really change the flavor of it. <laughs> it's like, so it's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's quite good. But uh, it's interesting. I mean, it just shows how good of a year Kickstarter really had last year. I mean, they, they went, number of projects in 2015 was 77,000. 2019, it was 41,000. But when you look at the amount pledged in 2015, it was 609 million, where in 2019, it was 615 million. So it's like they had the spike in 2015 and they've maintained, they've really maintained since then, it kind of fluctuated a little up and down mm. on a seahorse the last couple of years. The most interesting thing is the gap between funded versus not funded projects. Like in 2015, there were roughly 22,000 projects that were funded, but there were 55,300 projects that were not funded. And then in 2019, the gap is almost non-existent. It's 19,300 projects funded and only 22,300 projects not funded. It's almost 50-50. So that's quite a difference, right? Either the quality of the projects is going up or, you know, all the average quality of the projects is going up because the shitty ones aren't in there anymore. So what you're seeing here is you're seeing in this one chart that we're talking about, and all this is linked in the show notes, you're seeing the percentage of funded projects when you compare it to the overall projects that are there. So percentage of funded, you're seeing that percentage go way up. So in 2015, it was 38% of the projects were funded, where in 2019, it was 86% were funded. And you're seeing that gap narrow in 2016, 2017, 2018, and it's culminating to the best year that they had in 2019. So, I mean, they had fewer projects funded in 2019 than they did back in 2015. It's it looks like it's actually really consistent through the last four years. Actually, you know, going back to 2013, it's really consistent between 19 between eight about 19,000 and 21.7, 22,000 of funded projects. But you're seeing the projects submitted really start to, to scale back. So it's almost looking at this chart, you could almost make like you can almost deduce for this that, that 2014, 2015 was the big spike in Kickstarter. And then since then, people have gotten better at either saying, you can't just throw stuff up there and get everything funded. And they're more selective about putting things in. So here's one, since we got a, we got a minute here. Do you have any projects, that you, any hardware projects that you've funded that are not, that have not shipped yet? I don't think so. I have three and all of them are, they were all in the manufacturing or in, like right at the shipping stage and every single one of them has stopped. Oh, no. Because of all the factories in China. Are oh, yeah, of course. That makes sense. Yeah, they were all, and they've, I've gotten updates from all of them. They're like, yeah, we just found out from the Chinese government that they've added on because they were going to be closed for the Chinese New Year. Mm. But then they've, the Chinese government has ordered all the factories to stay closed for an additional week. Jeez. That's going to have the, knock the on effect, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. No, I think the last Kickstarter I got was that NASA past present future book. Mm, well done. I don't think I've got any projects outstanding. Although in the past, I have managed to back projects twice without realizing. <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> I've done that. 
good to hear somebody else do that. What a fool. Anyway, <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, my micro travel power adapter, traveler thing. I ended up backing that project twice thinking, man, <laughs> short-term memory problems, obviously. I backed it and then came across it again. I was like, wow, that's a great idea. I need one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Did the exact <laughs> Well, the funny thing was, is I, I, so I actually saw one that, okay, I call you and I raise you. I backed one. I canceled my backing. I saw it again a month later or like a, a, two weeks later. I backed it again. I had second thoughts and I canceled it. And then I went right back in and was like, no, if I like this twice, then I'm going to just go ahead and do it. And so I, I backed it a third time. So I backed it three times, but I canceled two of them. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, I wonder dear. how much of that actually comes out. So to those of you who actually, I backed and, I, and then I backed out of it, I'm really sorry for messing with you. I want it. I don't want it. I want it twice. I don't want it twice at all. Oh, now I want it three times. Yeah. Yeah. Now I really want it. I promise. ACs Voitanos delivers on-demand video-based training for developers on the latest SharePoint extensibility model from Microsoft in his course, Mastering the SharePoint Framework. And now, back to the show. Okay, CJ, we've done with the news. Do you have a fun pick for us today? Yeah, I do. This is sort of right up your alley, actually. So a dude went out fishing and caught a SpaceX Crew Dragon capsule hatch and, no para way. and parachutes. Yes, so one lucky fisherman and space geek was out catching fish, out fishing with his friends, and there's a video to boot. He took a video of this thing, and um, they were cruising along, and he saw something glinting standing upright in the ocean, and they walked past and saw it was like this white sort of square thing bouncing up and down in the ocean, and he walked past and... Oh, walked past. <laughs> Jesus. Went past... Turns out that's not the, not the tip of the story, is not the crew capsule, it's that the man is actually Jesus. <laughs> I bet he said I that when, he saw, this, when he saw this cat, when he saw this thing floating around. I bet Elon's got some pretty good pull. He got some good friends there, man. Jesus is finding his parts. Yeah. He <laughs> pulled it up out of the ocean, too. So yeah, he was cruising past this thing and, and noticed, noticed it, and went, they went over and looked at it. And he's like, hey, I recognize that because it had the dragon logo on the side of it. And this guy's like, Let's get it. There were no boats around trying to fish it out and all that sort of stuff. And it turns out they had not managed to recover this. They lost track of it or something and couldn't recover it. It's the, anyway, so he found it and pulled it up out of the ocean. And there were so it's the it's the parachute cover. Like there's a there's a hatch or something that covers where the parachutes come out of on the crew capsule. Mm -hmm. So it's the cover for that. And then attached to it is all the parachutes, right? So he's he's also got these uh, two. I think it's two big parachutes of the recent. SpaceX Crew Dragon capsule abort test mission, I think, is what it came off. That is so cool. Imagine that. Imagine having that you conversation with your missus or your spouse or partner or whatever. Babe, I'd really like, I've got this new piece of art. I want to put it on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? It's a, Just go try it out. It's a spaceship hatch. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of a kind. Yeah. I wonder if... um. I wonder if SpaceX wants that back. Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I doubt they can use it again. It's just more like to they might look at it and document it and then give it back to them or something. I don't know. I absolutely I love it. First comment, quote, What was the biggest fish you caught, Grandpa? Once back in the 20s, I caught a dragon, kid. A real fire-breathing dragon. A sea dragon. A space dragon. A SpaceX dragon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, you watch the video, and man, these parachutes are humongous. Yeah. 
I'm going to go back and watch that. Uh, pretty interesting to watch. Like they struggled for an hour to try and get all the stuff out of the out of the water because I imagine it's, you know, it's all catching water and 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 all of that. So, but yeah, pretty sweet. What do you got for us this week? Looks like the next big date for for that's going to be uh, May the seventh. Is when they're going to actually send astronauts and the crew capsule. They're going to send them up. They haven't announced that yet. May the seventh, Na- really? Mm-hmm. They couldn't go like three days earlier. I know. <laughs> Seriously, Elon, you're losing your geek cred, mate. That's not cool. <laughs> they should be putting astronauts in space on May the fourth. That's you know, that's they just totally the way should. it should be done. Maybe we should start a petition. <laughs> a GoFundMe. Yeah. May the fourth be with you, CJ. Yeah. Contact. A mysterious radio signal from space is repeating every sixteen days. Have you seen this? Senate? So between September the 16th, 2018, and October the 30th, 2019, researchers of the Canadian Hydrogen Intensity Mapping Experiment slash Fast Radio Burst Project Collaboration. And scientists really have a habit of naming things really easily, don't they? Yeah, they don't have. <laughs> C-H-I-M-E, CHIME. So the CHIME slash F-R-B-P-C, no. Yep. They detected a pattern of bursts occurring every 16.35 days. Over the course of four days, the signal would release a burst or two each hour, and then it would go silent for another 12 days. We are not alone. <laughs> it very much feels, or very much, it sounds a little bit like the movie Contact. So, Oh, man, I it, hope we find aliens. I had this exchange with these people with some, after I posted this on, on uh, Twitter, and someone's like, what do you think? You think it's real? I'm like... I don't know. And I, I avoided getting too deep into this because I really didn't want to have a religious discussion on Twitter. Sure. Although that's probably the best way to do it and just limit it to 240 characters. <laughs> 280, whatever. To me, it's just such a myopic view to think that we're the only ones out, only intelligent life out there like us. Yeah. I think it's just myopic. Oh, I totally agree. I think it's absurd to think that. Like mm. the vastness of what we've managed to see and telescopes and billions of light years and all of that stuff that's out there and to think that we're the only occurrence of what's happening, the numbers don't play that out. The lack of proof is not proof of something not existing. I mean, someone was asking me, I was talking to somebody about it the other day, and they're like, yeah, but how can you say that? Like, you realize how big our solar system is, and our solar system is just part of a much bigger galaxy that we've observed. And there are millions of galaxies that are out there that we've observed. And we've only set foot on the moon. So, (laughs) yeah, no, exactly. I like your comment about the lack of proof is not proof, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. In the same breath, like, we may very well be alone. I just think the chances that are so statistically small that if I was a betting person, I'd say that we are not alone, of course, because, you know, the numbers don't... the numbers don't uh, stack up. But I certainly hope we're not as well. Like, I think it'd be pretty awesome to know that we're not just floating around on this little blue dot in the vastness of eternity. <laughs> yeah, and we're the only ones. And we're the only ones. Like, that would be pretty sad. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a contact. It was a, a quote from the movie Contact. It's like, wouldn't that be a great waste of space? I mean, that just... Exactly. I like Elon's thing about this, about getting off. People say, why do you... Getting off the planet, I mean. What's... You know, he, he was like, why do you... Why do you want to go to Mars? And he's like, why wouldn't you? Like, why would you want to just be happy with just sticking here? Like, the greatest moments of triumph for the human race have been epic achievements and going to the moon, for example, or, you know, going to the bottom of the ocean or whatever it happens to be. Like, 
epic. We're explorers, and it's like got to get off the planet. And and so it's sort of similar to that. It's like why would we want to just shelter ourselves to thinking there's no chance there's anybody else out there because there's nothing else out there. I think that's uh, a bit short-sighted. Everyone thinks that it means that, oh, there's people out there. Well, that doesn't mean there's people. It could be some sentient thing that, that you can't visualize because we haven't seen it. And you see some of the animals that are out there and that we have on Earth and like, wow, that thing looks screwy as hell. Or you remember the first time you saw like a seahorse and you're like, that thing's screwy as hell. Well, there could be something that is just a giant Circle yep. and you're like, what the hell is that? <laughs> What's or up like with those seahorses? That is pretty. They are pretty weird. Yeah. The first time you see it, you're like, man, that's f- yeah. But- <laughs> <laughs> there are some photos of things that people have pulled out of the sea on Reddit, and you're just like, what the actual hell is going on there? You know, there's some really nasty looking stuff living down below the ocean. <laughs> yeah, with no light. The stuff with the no light, the no light part of the, of the ocean. Oh, you don't need eyes. So I'm going to grow like a gigantic sized razor sharp mouth thing that hoovers up anything it touches instead. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So, yes, hopefully we find aliens. Whoop, whoop. Hopefully we do in our lifetime. That's the big thing for me. But. Oh, I'd love to know that. That'd be awesome, I think, unless they come with fing lasers and then start zapping us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the chances of that are pretty low. Anywho, yeah, good discovery. Hopefully this thing keeps repeating and then it starts sending us messages. That what would be, be the message? Cool. Waza! <laughs> 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 I was going to say, Sorry. have you drank your Ovaltine? <laughs> <laughs> what was up with Hitler? <laughs> yeah. the, the, and if you've seen the movie Contact, you know what I mean. But it's... yeah. What, what was up with that guy? Yeah. What the hell are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you need a fresh planet? <laughs> First we got, thing it, yeah. oh, we got one. Yeah. First thing it finds is like, what's SpongeBob? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Oh, what's up? <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right, I see. Cool. Good times. Yeah, man. Good to see you again this week. Yeah. We may or may not talk to you next week. Yeah, well, no, we, you listeners, you will hear from some of us. You will hear from me. You may hear from us, but you'll definitely hear from me. Correct. Correct. Cool. All right. We'll have a fun time skiing. Will do. I'll try not to break anything. I'll try to keep track of my little meat missiles. Those are the kids. Yeah, okay. Thanks for making a clean show. Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah, they're crazy. Anyway, yeah, we'll have a good time and we will uh, maybe chat to you next week. Awesome. Later. Cheers, man. Did you like this episode? Please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find out about our show and grow the audience, and we would really appreciate it. If you got a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as a wave or an MP3 and provide a link to it so that we can play your question on the show. You can also subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts, in the Google Play Store, Spotify, or your podcatcher of choice. And finally, sign up to our mailing list by heading over to our website, microsoftcloudshow.com. You'll get notices of each new episode as well as the show notes sent directly to you each week. We'll be back with another episode next week. Thanks for listening.